Hello and welcome to episode 144 of the NFL Scotland podcast. I'm Paul Mitchell. I'm without my regular sidekick this evening as he's off celebrating his 40th birthday. I'd be tempted to say again, we all know he looks well over 40, but he is out and about with his good lady enjoying a fine meal. So who else am I going to be joined by? But Jim Ballard, former Scottish Claymore World Bowl winning quarterback and owner of the Ballard Quarterback Academy and from Pro Football Focus, NFL Scotland's very own Gordon McGuinness. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Always great to be back. How's it going? It's going very well. Now, we're so close to the draft. Everybody's talking about the draft. We're going to be no exception. But what we thought we'd do on this podcast is, is we've got Jim to talk to us about the who he thinks will be the top quarterbacks to go and why. So we are going to do the draft in real time. And if the team is not picking a quarterback, then Gordon's going to step up, draft somebody for that team and tell us why he thinks they are going to be drafting that particular individual. So lots of great chat and lots of great speculation ahead. Jacksonville Jaguars get the first pick. Jim, you will surprise me no end forevermore if Trevor Lawrence isn't the first name coming for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everybody seems to be thinking that's the way it's going. Is that the way you're thinking? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think Trevor Lawrence is uh, an exceptional talent. Uh, he's six foot six. He's got a cannon. He can make all the throws. Uh, the thing that stands out with Trevor too is his athleticism. You don't realize how big and fast he is if you if you rewind a little bit to when Clemson beat Ohio State a couple of years ago. It was, it was Trevor Lawrence's legs that really got it done. Uh, he's in, in an offense that uh, that allows him to you know check, do RPOs, uh, push the ball down the field. He does a great job of checking the ball down. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Uh, smart guy, uh, highly touted coming out of high school, absolutely lived up to, to, the, bill, the, to the billing and uh, all the expectations of him at, at Clemson. I mean, I know they came up a little bit short. It was kind of an upset last year against Ohio State, but Ohio State put together a great game plan and, and really shut him down. But, you know, to do what he did at, at, at Clemson and, and the time that he was there, the numbers that he put up, the national championship, uh, the Heisman Trophy, uh, tremendous talent. Um, yeah, he didn't win the Heisman. Uh, but anyways, he is the first pick of, of the of the first round. And uh, I think Urban Meyer is going to be able to build an offense around him. Uh, he's got a great football IQ as far as from an understanding a, a playbook. Uh, he's very quick that way. He's a great study. You know, he's a very mature kid. He got married already. Um, so he's, he's dialed in and he's, he's going to be a great pro. And he, he's a guy that you can build the franchise around. He could be the face of the franchise. You know, he's got the he's got the, the salad going, the, the, the big, long hair. And I think people in Jacksonville are hungry for a guy like that. And I think he's going to do a great job and have a great NFL career. I honestly wonder if Urban Meyer would have taken the Jaguars job if they weren't picking number one overall and you could get Trevor Lawrence. Like a, it was one of those situations where there's always been talk of like a flirtation with the NFL for him. And this was like the absolute perfect storm that he could get a guy who is like the best quarterback prospect we've seen. And the interesting thing with Lawrence, I think, is that you could make the case that in each year there has been a better quarterback or a better player in college football. But his consistency over all three years, he had one of the best freshman seasons for a quarterback really, really good as a sophomore. And then again, really good as a junior this year. There's there's a lot to be said for the consistency he showed across three years, I think. 
It's interesting. His wife must be very patient. Imagine marrying someone that doesn't have a job. It's very, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got no upside whatsoever. <laughs> the the the, RO, the ROI on on uh, on her end is, is 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 a little bit questionable, I think. So, you know, and then he just I just saw he signed an endorsement deal. He was the first first uh, guy to sign an endorsement deal to uh, with a crypto uh, currency company. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, impressive. it's very interesting. I mean, the kid, the, the kids really, and you're seeing kind of a trend. I, I, I saw yesterday on Twitter, I can't remember the player's name, but he, uh, for the entire 2021 20, season, is going to have his salary fully paid in uh, cryptocurrency. Yep. So a lot of guys are starting to think outside the box. Trevor Lawrence being one of those guys, first endorsement guy, you know, a trendsetter. Uh, and uh, I think that you're going to see a lot more more guys start to, to go that way. And I think it's great that, that Trevor surrounded himself with people that really understand the business and, and different uh, – different ways for him and, and to invest and, and be a part of something moving forward. That's really kind of groundbreaking. Is Urban Meyer the right coach for him? I, uh, that's a great question. I, I, I see Urban and Nick Saban in, in the same light, you know, Saban is an unbelievable college coach. One of the best ever Urban Meyer, same thing, but Saban could not do that in the NFL. You know, he, he's a, he's a ego guy and, and guys that win the way that they do. There's a lot of that. And, and now you're going to you know start dealing with pros and guys that are making $30 million and you're trying to scream at them and, and bring that college mentality to the pros. And I, I don't know how it's going to, how it's going to jive with a lot of the players. That, that That's my question. Is urban's ego, is he going to be a player's coach enough for the, for the players to really buy in and believe what he's trying to bring to the table or is he going to piss a lot of guys off, you know, trying to run practices in a, in a college way? Or are they going to buy into the system? You know, that's the big question mark for me. Can Urban Meyer coach? Absolutely. But you still got to have the egos and everything else to get it done in college. If, if, if you didn't buy into what Urban's doing, you're on the bench and I'm taking the next guy. That's, that's it. I mean, there was a player locally that uh, it was a five-star player running back, one of the top, I think, seven coming out of his class probably about six years ago. And at Ohio State, if you don't play special teams as a freshman, you know, you're not going to play. Well, you know, he, he told him flat out. He's like, hey, I need you to play special teams. He's like, I don't play special teams. Well, guess what? He buried his ass. And that was the end of it. And he didn't, he didn't see the field for two or three. I mean, that's just the way it is. You yeah. know, in the pros, if you, you, you can't sit down, a, you know, a guy that is an unbelievable player just because he might not be bought in. So it, it's going to be a transition period. And I'm, I'm excited to, to, to see how it goes. Jacksonville is uh, – a team that struggled last year, uh, didn't win a lot of games. And, uh, you know, he's got to go into that and be a first year NFL coach still on the end, you know, and now the uncertainty of the off season with a lot of people going, um, by zoom calls and everything else. So that's gonna, you know, hurt his ability to, to really be able to do what he does, you know, not being that hands-on in person. Uh, so he's got some challenges. Uh, and Gordon, I mean, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars have threatened for years. They've been sort of two years away from being two years away from being good. They can't blow this opportunity. They have to make the most of this. Yeah. I, the really tough thing in these situations, and we see it with the, the quarterbacks that go number one overall, is that they don't always work out. And at times, I don't necessarily think it's the quarterback's fault. I think sometimes the situation just doesn't work out. And that's probably the only part about this that gives me any pause is that 
the Jaguars finished with the number one overall pick on merit. They were not a good football team last year. Um, you could make the case that the Jets were a worse football team, but having the Jaguars as one of the two or three worst teams in football is just categorical fact. So how they go about building around Trevor Lawrence is going to be really important because you know Trevor Lawrence probably isn't going to take them to the playoffs in year one, I don't think, based on what he has around him. So how they build around him next offseason, the following offseason, in that window where you're paying that rookie quarterback deal is going to be so important. And that's the only thing that would give me slight concern in this whole situation. But, I, I mean, it's not a, it's not a reason to um, not take Trevor Lawrence. I think you have to be a very brave team. The Cleveland Browns did it a few years ago when they, you know, took multiple years where they traded down out of, um, like, picks in the top 10 to accumulate picks build a roster, then go get their quarterback, and now they've got their coach and it's working out great for them. It takes a very, very brave football team to, to do that. Yeah, it takes a brave general manager as well because you can find yourself out of job quite quickly. Jim, you're now the general manager of the New York Football Jets. We talked about quarterbacks that initially didn't work. Sam Darnold has gone. He's, he's out the door to Carolina. So it looks like it's obviously going to be a quarterback pick with number two pick. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And uh, it's going to be uh, interesting. There's, it gets a little dicey after the first pick. You know, you, you, you hear Shanahan the other day, you know, they trade down to number three. They give up a couple first rounds and a second round. And then he comes out and says, well, I'm comfortable picking five quarterbacks at three. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you? No. <laughs> I mean, is, is, that, is that smoke and mirrors? Is that fluff? You know, what is he thinking? Uh, so it's going to be interesting at that spot. Uh, the Jets definitely need somebody. They did get rid of Darnold. Uh, but I, two through five, it, it, I think a lot of it is just who you ask. You know, I like Mac Jones. Well, I think, you know, Justin Fields upside's better. He's more athletic. Or, you know, I think, I think it's kind of a wild card. After the after the first quarterback and, and even Trevor Lawrence is is an, is an you know a for sure home run the quarter it, it, Gordon you said it perfectly I can be a great quarterback but if my line's not very good if the defense gives up a ton of court you know a, a ton of points you know does guys get hurt you know a lot of it's a little bit of luck a lot of it's putting it together getting hot good offseason acquisitions you know guys in the locker room that can help these rookie guys do you got a backup that can really you know, spend time who wants to spend time and understand that my role now is, is not to challenge the guy to be the starter. And that in itself is, is a, is a hard thing for a quarterback to get to at a point in his career, because as you know, quarterbacks have a little bit of an ego and they have to, because they're the leader and they're the guy. And when they're called on, they got to go. I mean, you're not hiding it on the offensive line. Um, number two, I, Zach Wilson had a great, uh, great year, but he's the quarterback who played against, you know, the competition wasn't as good. But then you can go back and say, well, Josh Allen did the same thing, you know, and then you have, you know, Mac Jones who completed 78% of his passes. I mean, are you kidding me? And, and an offense and won a national championship. And for him to, to work through, to, to get himself an opportunity after sitting behind Tua and sitting behind Jalen Hurts. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a tough thing to do. And he had an unbelievable career. If it was me, if I had the second pick and I wanted to take quarterback, I would probably go with Mac Jones. So in our draft, Mac Jones goes to the New York Jets. Gordon, is there an upside to Mac Jones that puts him at two, beating out perhaps Zach Wilson? 
I think it's it's what Jim said that the obvious number one pick is Trevor Lawrence. After that, it depends on what you're looking for. There is there's loads of things that I think Mac Jones does really well, um, and the interesting thing is, and so I think it'll be Wilson that's the pick for them. But Mac Jones, I don't think is a huge step down. Like I, I would have quarterbacks all going in the top ten, all five of them. Um, I think when you look at what he did at Alabama, the the concern you have is similar to what the concern for Tua was coming out, is that is the Alabama offense so good that it actually makes evaluating the quarterback a little bit more difficult? Or once he gets to the NFL, his receivers are just not going to be as open as they were in college. And that, that looked like it was a major problem for Tua in his rookie season. And I think it'll be interesting to see how he develops. When, when Tua got to the NFL and he dropped back to pass, it wasn't like when he was at Alabama and he you know, took a seven-step drop, looked up, and Jerry Judy was open. Jalen Waddle was open. Same problem for Mac Jones this year with um, Devonta Smith, who had that ridiculous season. So that that's the concern with Jones, but you really can't argue with the production he had in his final season um, at Alabama. And he took himself from being a guy who was maybe a third or fourth round pick to almost definitely going... Um, in the top five of this draft. The, the other thing you want to talk about too, Gordon, is you know the fact that the Jets have taken a quarterback what four or five times in the last thirteen years. And I'm looking at their record over that span. You know they're two and fourteen last year, seven and nine in 2019, four and twelve, five and eleven, five and eleven. You know ten and six and fifteen, four and twelve and fourteen, eight and eight. So there's other needs, obviously. You know, one need for them is, is, is a rush tackle. They, they did not get a lot, a lot of pressure on the quarterback last year. Um, they're, you know, and because they didn't get a good rush, it, it, it really uh, showed the vulnerability in the secondary. Uh, a, a corner safety would be a good pick for the Jets at, the, at, this, at this pick. Yeah, I think the knee-jerk reaction, and, and we can talk about it later, you know, down the line as far as, you know, making picks is, everybody always wants to make that big, sexy pick, man. I got this, you know, this quarterback coming in with all the swag, you know, and I got Waddle and I got, you know, Russell and all these guys, but can you just say, you know what, we're not very good on the offensive line or defensive line and we got to get a game change. We got to draft that guy or draft a tackle. That's going to be like a Joe Thomas that is, isn't a sexy pick, but you know, the guy's not going to give up sacks to the blind side, which will help the quarterback. So do you take the, the quarterback at two? What do you do in this position, Gordon? I I think they definitely will take a quarterback. But again, it goes it goes back a little bit to what I said about the, the Jaguars and that the Browns were mocked for years, but over the last couple of years, over the last maybe four or five years, really started to do the smart things from a front, front office perspective. You can sit and you can take a quarterback every four years in the top five of the draft. If you don't have something there and a situation for that quarterback to come into, a lot of the times you're setting them up for failure. I think Cleveland did such a good job, you know, accumulating picks time after time. And then they went and they took Miles Garrett. Um, and then the following year wound up with the first and the fourth pick. They then went and got the quarterback in Baker Mayfield and had another top five pick to make. So in an ideal world, if I was the Jets, I would have probably in this situation kept Sam Darnold for another year. And I would have probably been the team that traded with San Francisco. And I would have let San Francisco give me two ones. And give me like that. two, and you know, and yeah. get those things. I think Miami have just done such a great job doing that. So 
that would be what I would do if I if I had been them. But in this case, I think they're ninety nine point nine percent going quarterback. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. There's there's so many teams that have the that are so starved for positions, and this draft is so unique in that. Uh, I don't remember four or five teams that were, you know, looking to trade down in the top 15. I mean, I, I, and, and then the thing is, too, as you guys know, watching the draft over the years, it only takes one trade for another team that you didn't think was going to be there. And then the dominoes completely fall a different direction if the trade wasn't made. And it completely, you know, takes the draft in, in another direction with another player. And then it gets to, to this team, that quarterback's taken and well, I don't need a quarterback now or, you know, whatever. There's so many scenarios going into this draft and so many different uh, evaluations of, of, of the quarterbacks in these top five. I mean, you, I don't think you can ask 10 people at, to rank all six quarterbacks or the top six or seven or 10, whatever you want to rank. And I don't think a lot of, I think a lot of them will be different. Yep. Other than Lawrence being a number one. Yeah. yeah. Then you can and go I've... two through seven and then it's just, you know, what I think is good or what, you know, does he fit the system? Is, is he a head case? You know, do, do we have a good offensive line? Is he, is, you know, Mac Jones is not a Trey Lance where he's going to extend plays like that. So is my line going to be, you know, good enough to, to keep him in the pocket more as a drop back guy? So it's, it's, it's going to be a fun draft. I, I'm, I'm really excited for all the ways that it can go. And, you know, it's a quarterback heavy draft. You know, some people are talking about this possibly being, you know, one of those drafts, but, you know, it's, it's it's yet to to be to be seen. I think it's interesting with the Jets changing coach. I think the coaches obviously thought we'll just get rid of Darnold as well and just have a fresh start. But I'm with you. I, I would have been tempted to keep him, give him the chance to to get in a couple of players to beef up the line and see where you could go from there. So we've got Trevor Lawrence at one. We've got Mike Jones at two. Pick number three now belongs to San Francisco. And if they were appalled that Mac Jones has gone at two, it doesn't matter because they're comfortable with so many quarterbacks to tell us, <laughs> which we do not believe in any way, shape or form. They know who they want. So, Jim, if we can presume for a moment that San Francisco wanted Mac Jones and they can't get him, where do they go next? If they don't get Mac Jones at two, I believe that they take Justin Fields out of Ohio State at three. I think they take him ahead of Trey Lance. Uh, I think Trey Lance is a heck of a talent. Uh, but my evaluation, like you know, a lot of guys, is he played 17 games, didn't play a lot, but his body of work was unbelievable. He didn't throw an interception, won a national championship. Uh, he's a leader. But um, I'd rather take the guy who's – and they're pretty similar – you know, it's, I think Justin Fields' arm is stronger. You know, Justin Fields ran, what, a 4-4-2 at his, at his uh, pro day? I mean, who's running a 4-2 besides, or a 4-4-2 besides uh, uh, Murray at, at Arizona and, you know, maybe one other guy? I mean, so the athleticism, you know, can go to Justin Fields. Justin Fields has, has, made, has had a lot more game experience. He's played big games. He's, he's played against Alabama. We saw his toughness when he took that shot against I, – I could not believe that he got up after that rib shot. I mean, to me, I thought he was done. I mean, I've taken those kinds of shots, and the way that, you know, he hit – he was hit, and the way he hit the ground, you could tell he was hurt, and what he do? He goes in the locker room, probably takes a shot, could have just – hey, he could have just cashed it in after that, and he didn't. And, you know, he came back out and was throwing lasers in the second half, and it was an unbelievable performance – uh, came up a little bit short against uh, 
against Alabama, but Justin Fields to me is is one of the best quarterbacks to come out of Ohio State. And I think you know one one thing that makes uh, general managers and, and team owners nervous is Ohio State has not really had a quarterback pan out in the NFL for quite a while. So is that Justin Fields' fault? No, but he's fallen into that category. Well, you know, J.C. Barrett didn't make it, and you know, Cardell Jones didn't make it, and now you you know you got the kid from uh, the Haskins who, you know, ended up being kind of a head case. So is there that stigma? Does he get that? Maybe a little bit. And then it's undeserved. You know, every, every kid should be, you know, held on his accomplishments on the field, you know, his work ethic, um, you know, the stuff he does in the community was, was he a good student? Was he a good guy? And, you know, I think, I think everything that I'm hearing from, you know, down from Ohio state that Justin Fields is, is, is a great kid. You know, the question is work ethic that he didn't watch a lot of film, but I, I don't think that's true. Um, I think he's the better pick. I find so. I I think it. You know, the the draft is probably going to go Lawrence. It's probably then going to be Wilson, and I think the 49ers are going to go Mac Jones. In this situation, they can. But I think the reason why the 49ers will go Mac Jones with the way the draft um, falls is that I think he's the type of quarterback that Kyle Shanahan wants in that. I almost think that the quarterback is like an extension of Kyle Shanahan in that offense in that, you know, Kyle Shanahan's actually the quarterback. He just needs, you know, he needs to pull the strings on the sideline and he needs you to go and do this. But I absolutely want to see what a Kyle Shanahan offense looks like with an athlete like Justin Fields, a quarterback, because we've seen what it looks like with Kirk Cousins and, you know, you can get the most out of him on those rollouts. We've seen how it looks from Matt Ryan what does that offense look like if as well as being a, a good, if not better than good, even great passer, you're an elite athlete as well. And all of a sudden on those rollouts, teams have to respect the fact that you might just run for 10 yards. All, all those things, I think it would be fascinating to see what this offense looks like with a Justin Fields at quarterback. He definitely brings another dynamic to it, that's for sure. Yeah, I think of all the all the quarterbacks that are available, he's the one that I'm most interested in seeing where he lands. I did a mock draft earlier, um, playing around with various things. I had nine at Denver, you know, who I think we'd love to have him if he if he managed to tumble that far. Jim, to come back to a point that you touched on earlier, you take a college quarterback who has immense success, somebody like Mac Jones, seventy eight percent passing rating. He's got a great line. He's got great receivers. We saw it this year with Tua, then goes to Miami, everything speeds up. How do you teach that quarterback to the next level? How do you speed him up when he's not used to being sped up? How do you get him to read quicker? Because college, I'm not saying college has made him lazy, that, that's the wrong word, but it's almost too easy for them at college because they're playing with all really great players. How do you make that change up? I think that the game continues to slow down as, as a quarterback the more that you play and, and, and again, talking about Trey Lance, you know, he played 17 games and what he did in 17 games was, was probably near perfect. I mean, he didn't throw an interception as I alluded to earlier, but if I have the chance to take a guy who's played 17 games and a guy who's a little similar and maybe his numbers aren't as good with 35 starts in college or 30 starts in college, the game has slowed down more for that guy than it has for the guy that's, that's played 17 in my opinion, because it's just simply game reps. There's no substitute for game reps. And when you get that opportunity and you, you get to play, you know, that many games and, and, and it might be more games on a big stage. You know, if you're Alabama, you know, you're going to make the final four and you're going to play in the semifinals and, and probably a national championship every year. So that 
that takes you to another level over, over other guys because you're playing the best of the best. And yeah, your team is that good, but those teams are too. But you're just getting those opportunities. You're seeing different things. You're on the stage playing for a championship. How, does, how do they react in, in pressure situations? You know, do they crumble when, when the game gets really tight? You know, you might force a throw as opposed to a guy that'll check the ball down. That's the, that's the first thing. The other thing is, before anything, do you have the ability to process and understand offenses? Can you really take a playbook and absorb it and, and know that this is my primary, this is my secondary, here's my check down, here's my check? That's the big thing because when you get in the NFL, the game, as you said, is faster. And a lot of times the playbook is a lot more complex. You know, John Gruden's system is just wordy, and wordy and wordy, you know, play, one play could be like shift to Brown left opposite wide zoom past 118 arrow cue flanker option wide corner check 43 blast. That's a mouthful, you know, and I, I did a, a, a public appearance the other day and I was, I was talking about the same thing. And when I came out of, of Mount Union <clears throat> and, and obviously I'm not comparing myself to these guys, but it's, 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 it's a similar situation. I was so worried about just calling the play right before I even looked at the defense, before the ball was even snapped, before I had to identify who the mic was. You know, that's a lot of the things that, that guys go into the league, you know, trying to figure out. The game is much more complex. Defensive coordinators are, you know, unbelievable at, at drawing up blitzes that, that none of us have ever seen in college. And uh, you just you got to have a good head on your shoulders to be able to process. Being an athlete obviously allows you to uh, – do a little bit more because you can get yourself out of situations because you might not have checked where you're supposed to, but I'm, I'm so quick and athletic enough. I can make a guy miss and then it doesn't matter. Um, but just having a good head on your shoulders, understanding offenses and just having game experience will help slow the game down. They're, the only way to sl keep slowing the game down is just to keep playing. I mean, there's really no other substitute for that. And there's no other way to simulate it besides, you know, being behind the center, either with your hands under his butt or in the shotgun, wait for the ball to snap. Perfect. Now we reach number four, which is the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I don't think they're looking for a quarterback, but it's our mock draft. We've got quarterbacks. Jim, do you see a quarterback need for Atlanta, or will we hand this pick to Gordon? I do not see Atlanta taking a quarterback. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I, there's part of me that wants them to, again, especially if Justin Fields falls to them, because, you know, you don't often get to pick in the top five in the NFL, but Matt Ryan's contract's not really conducive to them taking a quarterback and getting the advantage there. So if I was them, I'm probably going to go and try and find a nice big physical playmaker. Um, Julio Jones, there's been trade talk in the last couple of days. So I would probably go and get Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, who I think's just one of the most ridiculous athletes we've seen come out of college and in some time he's just his wingspans like dinosaur like to be quite honest um his speeds his speed and size is just you know the, the comparisons to him are guys like megatron and i don't think you should ever easily compare someone to that but physically it's very difficult to find another player that he looks like that just he's so big for a pass catcher in the nfl and i just think he's going to cause Nightmare matchups. I couldn't agree with you more. He's he's six six two forty and runs a four four. <laughs> I mean, you can line you, you can line him up in the slot. You know, you can motion him outside to create. You know, if you if you line him up in the slot inside of a receiver and you motion him outside, a lot of times you get either a linebacker or a safety to motion out with them. 
Yes. And if you get those kinds of matchups, you know, one-on-one with a safety on the outside, basically as a wide receiver, I mean, you're, you're, he's probably going to win quite a bit. And yep. the, the big thing with him, as you said, he's got a huge wingspan, but his ball skills, his ability to finish the catch, his ability to not only go up, but contort his body and be able to, 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 to caress it and, and, and get into his chest where the defense can't knock it out. A lot of times guys will get their hands on the ball, but they might be slow pulling it in. He is a great pass catcher. He does a great job of shielding the defense from uh, being able to knock the ball out. You know, he's going to, he's going to be a guy that you can line up in the slot or as a true tight end. And if you, if you have those two high safeties, he's a guy that can stretch the stretch it down the middle and really put pressure on a safety. And if you've got him on one side and you've got Julio Jones on the outside, if he doesn't get traded, that's a tough matchup for any defense. Yeah. Scary. So Paul, I, I kind of want to get Jim's perspective on number five because the Bengals are not going to take a quarterback, but it is one of the most hotly debated picks. I think this is the most riled up I've seen Bengals fans in some time. They're very much split down the middle. There are people who want Pinesu to protect Joe Burrow. There are people who want Jamar Chase, who was Joe Burrow's wide receiver at LSU. So I'm interested from your perspective, Jim, as a quarterback, would you rather, if you were Joe Burrow, would you rather in this situation go and get a Pinay Sewell to protect you, especially after the injury last year, or would you want that pass catcher and Jamar Chase? Again, can can you be comfortable dealing with the backlash if you do take a big offensive lineman as opposed to the big sexy pick with Chase? I, I think after Joe's coming off a major knee reconstruction, to me, give me the 6'6", six, six, Two, 330 pound guy who has demonstrated his ability to start a lot of games, uh, played in a good conference. They threw the ball a lot in the, as you know, in the PAC 12. So he's got a lot of pass sets under him. He's got a huge upside. He's one of the best linemen on, on the board, obviously uh, at his position. He's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he can move. And I think if you ask Joe, yeah, I'd love to throw to my boy. But if I know that I've, I've got a, a possibility of a 10-year pro starting to tackle, I'm probably going to want my tackle because my knee is not 100% right now. I, 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 think you take the, I think you take the tackle and, and you know, worry about fi- trying to find another wideout later because there's a lot of good wideouts. There's not a lot of game changers, but there's a lot of really good wideouts that are available in this draft. And I think Cincinnati's going to be able to uh, pick up one down the line if they want to. Yeah, I mean, Gordon, I'm no quarterback expert, but you can't really throw the ball when you're sitting on your arse, uh, having been knocked over too often. So uh, I think, you know, Joe Burrow, I think would welcome a Sewell. He, he is a bit of a monster. I think he'd be a terrific player. I think we can presume as well that Miami at six won't be on a quarterback hunt. So is that where Jamar Chase will land? I think if it shakes out this way in the draft, I think it will be. And I think if you look at what Miami did in the draft, they moved down from three to 12. And they then moved back up from 12 to 6. And unlike the 49ers, who I think are blatantly lying when they say that they're comfortable with all five quarterbacks, I think Miami at 6 would be quite content to walk out of Thursday night with either Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, or Penny Sewell. And in this situation, it's, it's Chase that's the guy that's left. So I, I don't really think they would be too concerned about that in that situation. Go and get a, you know, they got a tackle last year in the draft. They got a quarterback last year go and get you know that pass catcher to try and take your offense to the next level. So again, I mean, it, it's similar with seven. I mean, the lines we believe are sorted at quarterback with Jared Goff going there. That allows them to, to go with positional players. Are they looking at 
trying to help him or protect that line. It's, it's almost the age old question, isn't it, Jim? You know, quarterbacks want the talent to throw to, but they do need the, the protection. And how much of an input do NFL quarterbacks have regarding the draft? Or is that just a no-no? They're not allowed to, to express their opinion? Yeah. Depends on which quarterback you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think two is going to walk in the floors off and you know start pounding the table. Hey, I need a new lineman or I need a wide receiver. Now, if you're Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or you know one of those guys, they can pound their fists and they should have Russell Wilson. You know there was some frustration you know with Seattle for a while that you know didn't and and and, and Houston you know with uh, with Watson you know getting rid of a coach and a, and a couple players. And um, it, it, it just depends. I mean, for the most part, quarterbacks aren't going to have a big say. Um, you know, it's not their job. But if, if you're an experienced guy and you, and you put the time in and you, your body of work is the, the body of work that, that it needs to be, you're going to have some input. So, Gordon, we, we've made Matt Ryan a happy man with Kyle Pitts. We've made Joe Burrows a happy man with Penny Sewell. Uh Jamar Chase at six, so seven. Jared Goff, is he getting a new toy at wide receiver or what's going to happen? I think this is a, a situation whereby in an ideal world they would want someone to try and move up to seven at this point. I don't necessarily know that anyone is, especially if you get to this point and there's two quarterbacks left on the board. Um, so I think if this happened, I think they would probably take Waddle from Alabama. Jalen Waddle, who missed most of this year with an injury. Devonta Smith won the Heisman and you know, was the big star there. But Waddle was a better receiver than him the year before. Is faster, is bigger. The concern with Devonta Smith is he's 166 pounds soaking wet, which would make him a huge outlier if he's a success in the NFL. And I still think he can be. But I think I I, I think Waddle would be my pick here if I was the Lions. I do wonder if this winds up being where the first defensive player comes off the board and be it a Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker, maybe a Patrick Sartan or a JC Horn, um, a cornerback. I think that might be the spot. But if it was me, it would be it would be Jalen Model. So we move to pick number eight, uh, which belongs, Jim, to the Panthers. Do the Panthers do a good thing in getting Sam Darnold? Does that allow them to have if essentially a new quarterback and allow them to then build around him? We'll we'll see. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of rumors that you know that they might uh, build it around him. I think that's what'll happen. Their their biggest need is you know a quarterback. Again, I don't think they're sold on it. Uh, the offensive line can go with corner, as you said. Patrick Sertain's available. Um, I, I think that they've got some good pieces in place. I think when you have an opportunity to take a, a Patrick Sertain with the uh, with that gene pool with pops having a heck of a career in the NFL. He's six foot two. He's 203. He's physical. He's played in the, you know, one of the best conferences in the country, won a national championship. He's a lockdown guy. He's, he's a rangy guy. He's a physical guy. Um, I, I, I would take him at, at the corner position. I'm good with that. If, if Jim's not going with a quarterback, I'm content with Patrick Sartain as the, as the cornerback here. Fantastic. Then it gets interesting. It does. So, Jim, you've been promoted once more. You're now the GM of the Denver Broncos. Uh, John Elway's not been able to nail down the quarterback of his dreams. 
Is the quarterback of his dreams available at nine for you in this draft, or do they move on? Uh, you know, recently, John's really struggled to try and find a quarterback, you know, between Locke and, and some of those guys, and they just haven't panned out. You, you got a guy like Michael Parsons, who's a game changer. He's a physical linebacker. Uh, really good player. He's a Mike linebacker. Essentially, if you take Mike Parsons, you're, you're drafting a quarterback for your defense. He's a guy that's going to make the calls. He's the middle linebacker. He's, he's, a, he's a guy that is physical. He's a guy that can go side to side. He's a very good tackler. Um, if it was me, I would take Mike Parsons. Gordon, would you concur? I am, I'm absolutely content. If we're not going quarterback here, then I think Parsons is a perfectly good pick at a linebacker. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll round out the top 10 uh, because that will be our top 10 draft picks. Then we'll have a little shift down and see where we think the next team that would take a quarterback because Dallas looked to be set. They have got pick number 10. Gordon, where do you think Dallas are going to go? So I think they'll be a little bit disappointed that Sertan's off the board at this point. Um and I think they would probably stick with the same position. I do wonder if there will be people in Dallas who, if the board breaks down this way and they're sitting there with Zach Wilson and Trey Lance on the board, if there will be people in the fan base, if not the front office, who will have an inkling in the back of their head, I wonder if what would have happened if we traded Dak Prescott and gone rookie quarterback here. But they're not. they're obviously not going to do that, so... J.C. Horn from South Carolina, the cornerback, would be my pick. You like that pick, Jim? Here's what I like. If I'm Dallas, I had just given up the most points since 1960. So, <laughs> in other words, you got a shitload of holes on defense. <laughs> you could go D-line, you can go linebacker, you can go corner, you can go safety. They got to figure out a player that can that can impact that team on defense because they were just bad. I think Dak Prescott is a, is a really good quarterback. I think he's got a lot left. You got Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know, you got the uh, uh, the wide receiver from Oklahoma who had a great rookie season last year. They've got some pieces on offense. Their big void that they need to fill is on defense. So I, I like Gordon's pick too for, for Dallas at that corner position. So we'll stick with that position and we'll make that our pick. But a little alternative, if Dallas, if if we still have Trey Lance on the board and Kyle Trask, et cetera, is there a chance that somebody might try and leap up to 10 and tempt Dallas down just to try and nail their quarterback? Can you see a team that might do that? Yeah. I, I You know, you just don't know what's going on in Belichick's head and that organization. They they always seem to, to pull off a trade. And, and that's one of the rumors that's out there that, that New England is going to trade down and possibly look to take a quarterback because of the uncertainty at the position. You know, you got Cam Newton who uh, played last year, you know, threw more interceptions and touchdowns, got it done with his legs, but they were what, six and 10? Had it really struggled record wise. I mean, didn't make the playoffs for the first time since, I don't know what, Vietnam, WW2. Um, so I, I think they could trade down. They're, they're so good at being able to, to trade down and then end up later in the draft, maybe t- trading like a second round pick, you know, for two fourth round picks. You know, they've built their, their roster over, you know, so many years drafting in that way. It's going to be interesting because you, you don't have Nick Cesario in, in the personnel office this year. Um, you know, he's out in, in Texas uh, with Houston now. 
So there's some, you know, department changes and, and maybe philosophy changes, but ultimately Bill Belichick's going to pull the strings on, on what happens or what doesn't happen. Um, I think that they could be one of those teams that, that does trade down. So if I were to give you the choice right now of the available quarterbacks on the draft board for the Patriots, who's going to be the fourth quarterback that will go in the draft? So I think we've got what, Wilson, Wilson and Lance, I think, are the, are the ones. Yeah, that, that, that's where we're, we're looking, isn't it? Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Kyle Trash slightly further down. Who, do, who does Belichick go for? Uh, man, you can go I, again. I, I'm not, to me, there's not one guy that I would probably go with Wilson based on experience factor. And you can, you know, go against that by saying, well, you know, Trey Lance's upside is, is, is bigger. And it, and it, I think it is too. Um, but I think Wilson and a controlled offense with Josh McDaniels and his ability to use tight ends and use fullbacks and running backs, you know, they've been, they haven't had a, a true bell cow in New England in what, 10 years. I mean, they just have a, a stock stockpile full of backs, two or three guys that are situational guys that, you know, might come into pass block. They might be really good, you know, coming out of the backfield, catching the ball as we've seen, you know, Whitehead and, and, uh, white and all these guys over the years. Um, I would, I would probably go with Wilson if I'm new England and I did trade down for a uh, quarterback. I do think the Patriots are probably coming out of this draft with a quarterback and it's going to be interesting whether or not they do trade up or if there is a Justin Fields side 15 as far as he gets and, and, and Belichick winds up picking him up. Um, I really feel like that's like the the absolute scenario the NFL does not want. But if 14 teams allow Justin Fields to make it to 15, then it's probably what we deserve. Um, is, is given him another quarterback to potentially build around. So, I mean, we're looking at the draft. I mean, New York Giants, we don't think we'd take one at 11. The Eagles, goodness knows what the Eagles are going to do because we're never sure what the Eagles are going to do anymore. Uh, you know, but they've hey got man, the guy. You can't, you can't say that anymore. You know why? I don't mean to interrupt you, cut you off. No, no. Who, who is the head coach at, at uh, Philadelphia now? It's uh, Nick Sirianni, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Nick Sirianni, who, who had a, and, a, a, and what, a tough, old, what, tough old press conference the other day. I didn't see it, to be honest yeah. with you. You getting, you getting te- teed up a little bit? Yeah, I, I, th- I think the Eagles writers realised that there was new meat in town that they could have a little nibble on. So I think they made life hard for him. What what does he do? I mean, does does he say, look, if there's a quarterback there, I'll take him and make my mark? I mean, it's a tough one. I don't think so because you already you already have Jalen Hurts, who's a young J- Jalen Hurts is, is this is one of these guys, except he's got some experience now. Right. Um. You know, he he's you know he went to Alabama and went to Oklahoma and. Uh, did a lot of things, played a lot of games and he showed a lot of character. You know, I, I loved that. that that's to me, one is one of the best storylines in, in sports within the recent years is to, to see how Tua and Hertz got along so well in that situation on that stage. And, you know, to get sat down like he did, I mean, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow, you know, and he kept working and he ended up, you know, sitting last year and ended up playing. And I think that uh, coach Sirianni is a, uh, is going to do a lot of good things with him. He's he's done great things in San Diego with with Rivers. He did great things in Indianapolis with um, Coach Reich. And the reason I asked you about Nick Sirianni is because do you know where he went to college? 
the nope. Mount Union University. <laughs> My alma mater, man. Hey. <laughs> there no, there I, we go. I, did I, did I, he I train know. you to deal with Eagles Press in Mount Union? Because you're going to need it. I don't think anything can prepare you for dealing with the media in New York or, or Philadelphia. I don't I don't think there's a true a book or, or a handbook or you know cliff notes for any of that. You know, it's a it's a tough place. But he, here's the thing about Nick, and I've I've known Nick since um, he was a kid. His brother, Mike Sirianni, is, is, is a great football coach at uh, Washington and Jefferson University in Pennsylvania. It's a D3 school. Uh, his dad uh, uh, was a, a legendary head coach in, in New York, won some state titles, and his middle brother co co coached in high school and won uh, titles. Um, Nick obviously has a few vowels in his last name, which makes him Italian, so he's a tough guy. And uh, he played tough. Uh, he coaches tough. You know, his, his family is, is blue collar. They work their ass off. Uh, Nick's a guy who's going to put the time in. Um, he's had great mentors. I mean, we're talking about Larry Karras, one of the greatest college football coaches ever. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for Nick. He, he's a great guy. He's, uh, he's going to do it the right way. He's going to try to do it the right way. And um, that's the way he's been brought up. That's the way that he's coached in college. Um, it's the way he played as a player. I had the uh, – the pleasure of actually getting to coach him in a minor league indoor league in the early 2000s at the Canton Legends, little fun fact. But um, he's going to do a good job. I mean, he's got his hands full with everything that's going on. He just got rid of Carson Wentz, but uh, he's got a good staff around him. He's going to try and build it the right way. And um, I don't see him taking a quarterback in the draft because they already have a young guy. There's no need to, to, to bring in another young guy with a young guy. You know, at that point, you, you, you want to get a seasoned veteran, you know, kind of like, you know, my boy fits, fits, fits magic. That would be a great fit for them. You, you want to guy, find a guy who isn't necessarily a starter, but can come off the bench and give you six to seven wins and just know his role is I'm going to mentor Jalen Hurts. I'm going to make sure he understands the offense. I'm going to spend time with them because this is what's best for the team. That's what coach Sirianni needs to do at the quarterback position, not go out and draft another rookie. I think what's, what's fascinating here is that, so in my head, I feel like five quarterbacks go in the top 10, but very easy to see how it could only be three. And all you really need is after those first three go, no one moves up with Atlanta and no one moves up with Detroit. You get to Carolina and Denver and everyone just assumes, you know, they're teams that could take a quarterback, but what if you don't like you know, who is likely Justin Fields and Trey Lance at that point? What if you don't like them enough? All of a sudden, you do now start to tumble, and that brings New England into play. And then also, I think, brings Chicago into play as well at 20. And going into this draft at 20, they're not really in a position to go up and get one if they go early. But if one of those guys, even one of them, slips into, you know, 14, they may be trying to get up ahead of New England if they haven't moved up, or if New England have already moved up and there's still one left. So, it gets really interesting at that point because if they do start tumbling, there's like a run of picks with the Giants, the Eagles, the Vikings, who as much as, you know, Kirk Cousins can be improved upon, his contract I think is pretty prohibitive to moving him on. There is a run of picks that teams are not taking quarterbacks. The Chargers are in there, the Cardinals. So all of a sudden now, if teams aren't moving up, this is when quarterbacks and be it a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance, someone starts tumbling and it brings the Bears into it. it, brings the Steelers into it at 24. We're looking for a long-term answer to Roethlisberger. Um, it gets really interesting. Chris Sims' mock draft today had Justin Fields fallen all the way to 32 and the Bucks taking him as the long-term 
And the problem with Tom Brady is he's probably not going to retire for about eight years, but you know, you need to start looking for his his uh, his replacement at some point. So, I mean, if, if we presume that we've we've got to fifteen, New England have taken their quarterback, Cardinals won't. Would the Raiders be tempted? You know, Derek Carr is is always good. Mariota, who I I wanted the Saints to go after, but that's another story. Would they be tempted at seventeen? Um, you can tell me I'm wrong. I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking about you know what I I, I like that. I mean, I think David. What are you going to get that's better than David Carr in that system for two years with Gruden? And again, I, I talked about it earlier. Gruden's system is brutal as far as how much verbiage it is. Yep. And you might be in a system in college that's very basic as far as how you call the play and how you, you know, set the protections. John's offenses have always been very detailed and very wordy. And, that, and, that, and that's a, a lot of guys have a hard time with that. Um, you know, they, they really didn't do much on defense. I think they're good on offense. You know, you got Jacobs and you got Carr and you, you got the stud tight end and you got some guys on the, on the outside that are fast. I think they need to go with a defensive player and, um, you know, get an edge rusher. You know, you, you traded away Khalil Mack a, a few years ago. Um, I think you, you go with the, the, the pay kid from Michigan who's 6'4", you know, 270 and can, and, and can run. Um, he's a safe pick. Um, He's a guy that has to bring some pressure. The Raiders didn't sack the quarterback a lot last year. Yeah, it's a, that's certainly and, a fair point. And the other, and the other thing is too, they they still have another pick in the in the first round. So maybe you know, according to to Sims's call, if 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 he does fall, you know, the the Raiders still have what pick 32, 31. Uh No, I think Baltimore's got thirty one now. The oh, do they? Have, oh, Chiefs, this is projected yeah. trade. My bad. Oh, it's nice. a mock trade. I see. Uh, I don't well, know no, if but, I, I still wouldn't take the quarterback if I'm, I'm the Raiders. Yeah, because there's but, there's so many other needs at other positions. That that's where it gets interesting. If you do have a scenario where there's only three quarterbacks that go in the top ten, then I think New England and Chicago are my next teams that potentially take quarterbacks. If they don't, it's Pittsburgh, and after Pittsburgh, it gets really like who is looking for a quarterback. There is one ludicrous scenario that was suggested this week, and kind of want to talk about it because I've got like a, an alternate opinion on it that I think people might think I'm stupid for. Um, Bucky Brooks, and this he's not alone in this thought. There is, a, there is a thought that the next thing that NFL teams are going to try and get clever with is you don't want to have to pay a quarterback because it costs so much against the cap. It's very, very difficult to not pay your quarterback because if he's remotely good, you have to have balls of steel to, to think I, I can win without this guy. Bucky Brooks' suggestion, and of all the teams, I don't think he's wrong with this idea, is that the Ravens could be a team that have the, the, the thought that they could let Lamar Jackson graduate, in inverted commas, from their offense, and they should trade up. And Justin Fields falls to 14, trade 27 and 31. I would not, I want no part of that. But let's say that Justin Fields does fall as far as Chris Sims is saying he falls, and he falls at the end of the first round. If I was the Ravens at 27 or at 31, I would probably give it a really long think about whether or not, okay, could we put Justin Fields into this offense? And 
trade away Lamar Jackson for probably a high one next year. And I think everyone would think they were insane. But if there's a team that would have the faith of their owner to do it, probably Baltimore. I don't know how you trade him. I, I think Baltimore fans would go crazy. <laughs> I mean, he's the, he's the most dynamic player in the in the NFL, and uh, you know he he struggled in the playoffs. But again, is Justin Fields going to be able to do all the things that he did during the course of the season and get him over the hump? Not next no. year. I don't. I don't yep. think. Um, I, again, I think that's not a need for them. I mean, they're talking about extending them out. I mean, um, as, a, as a Ravens fan, I think I would be upset if it happened. But it's the type of thing that the Ravens strike me as they're very, very analytically forward thinking. I think Cleveland or another team actually that are similar in that thought process that if there is a team in the NFL that in the next couple of years says, I'm not paying my quarterback that second contract, it really wouldn't shock me if it was a Baltimore or Cleveland. Now, I don't think the NFL is quite there yet. I think we're probably four or five years away from someone taking that chance if someone ever does, because it's incredibly bold. Um, but I think a Justin Fields falling in this draft would make that an interesting, an interesting discussion. I think there's going to be probably two or three trades in the first round that really shuffle the whole deck and rethink the the whole you know, the, the whole thought process going into the draft. Um, it's such a fascinating first night because it just sets the tempo for the rest of the draft as far as, you know, one player gets taken and then this guy gets taken and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody starts panicking because it's like, man, this quarterback's going to be gone and it might not be a need for him. Or if one guy, the player that they really want gets taken, you know, wherever it is in the draft, then it's like, well, that was the, really the guy we want. You know what? Let's, this team needs a quarterback. Let's look to see if we can trade, you know, seven for 12 or whatever the numbers are. Yeah. And then again, then it gets shuffled um, from team to team again. And then the, the, the flow of the draft gets, uh, ends up getting off and the, uh, the players that we thought would go in certain places don't. I'm really fascinated by wide receivers in this draft because last year we had C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and everyone thought they were top 10 picks. And what was it, 16, 15, 16, maybe? And Henry Ruggs was the first one to go. And then we had Judy and Lamb go to Denver and Dallas around that 15, 16, 17 range. There is part of me that wonders with the big three receivers in this draft in, in Chase, Waddle, and Devonta Smith. Does the media and do fans value drafting a wide receiver high in the draft more than a lot of NFL teams do? Because we've seen it the last couple of years. Receivers have fallen down in the draft. Teams have been more than happy to go and get really good wide receivers in the late first, early second. So it'll be really interesting to me. I, I, I don't see any way that Jamar Chase falls. But the two Alabama guys I could see falling out of the top, or what I could see one of the two falling outside the top 15 because NFL teams just don't necessarily value it as much as we think sometimes. You know, the other thing is too, some teams like guys that are, that are fast, that are speed guys that are route. Some guys, some teams like, you know, six three, six four receivers that are physical. Um, it's just what what kind of ice cream do you like? Yeah, you know I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's what it, that's what it comes down to. You know, do, 
do you want the bigger scoop that's the, the wider, you know, wingspan, you know, catch radius and all that? Or do you want the guy that, you know what, I know he is going to get in the slot and he's going to demand a double team and he's going to be a nightmare down the middle with two high safeties. I, I think they're interchangeable. And, and you've seen some wide receivers from Ohio State come out, you know, McLaren. He wasn't, you know, he's one of those guys that went in, what, the second round. Yeah. And um, he was a hell of a pick. You know, you're talking about the, the, the guy, Michael Thomas, down in New Orleans. He, he wasn't a Jamar Chase. So can you get really good receivers in the second, third? Of course you can. To me, Jamar Chase is kind of a cut above those guys. Yep. They're speed slot guys. We've seen these guys. And, and, and with the RPO game that is really increasing in the NFL offenses, these slot guys are, are really good at that if they find the spots and they run so many crossing routes and everything else. Um, but I, 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 like, I like a big receiver on the outside. That, that can go up and get it. And I would, I would, if it was me taking a wide receiver, Jamar Chase is my first wide receiver pick. No question. It's interesting, gents. I'm just sitting here wondering what, what's harder to pick your NCAA bracket for March Madness or the draft board of the, of the NFL. I mean, I think they're both almost impossible tasks. Some, some of our listeners have been in touch that Olivia Ramage uh, just, the only wish she has for the Green Bay Packers is don't take a quarterback. Washington, Paul Murphy wants Christian Darashaw if they stay at 19. Trey Lance, if they trade up to get a quarterback. Uh, Graham Hunter's talking about there's been a lot of talk about the Giants uh, going offensive, but he'd rather that they, they got a pass rusher. Uh, Ricky Christie hopes that Mika Parsons drops to the Raiders. Uh, James Warboys wants Pitts. Um, I mean, it's, it's just interesting. And uh, we've got a feel for Jason McKay, who's been in touch. He's a Rams fan to say, what's a first round draft pick? I think he's a little bit feeling left out somewhat of, of the way things are going. Uh, it, it's always a great night, gents, just as, as we come to wrap up the pod. Jim, you've got a, a very exciting uh, draft evening lined up. Tell us a little bit about your plans. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm going to be a part of the uh, NFL alumni golf outing on on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's raising money for the NFL alumni for our charities and everything else that we stand for. Thursday after the uh, the second round, we're actually playing Firestone, which uh, Bridgestone was there for years and years. Uh, which it's it's a beautiful course. It's a great uh, it's a great venue. And then once the uh, second round of the golf outing is over on Thursday, I'm going to head over to the Pro Football Hall of Fame where there'll be uh, NFL football Hall of Famers from some former players. There's going to be a draft watch party live from the Hall of Fame. I'm going to participate uh, in a podcast. I believe it's going to be 15 or 20 minutes live from the draft. So uh, I'm excited about that. I'm going to take my wife and my son, who's 10. So he's he, he, he can't get there fast enough to meet some of these guys. And you know what an experience for a young kid to be able to walk into the Hall of Fame and look around and get to shake hands and take pictures with some of these guys. So I'm excited as a fan. I mean, it's... It, as fortunate as, as I was to be able to play as long as I did and have the experiences through the NFL and NFL Europe and, you know, all the other leagues that I played in, I was always a fan. And I, I still, you know, I still get bright eyed and see, you know, some of seeing some of these guys and then realize, yeah, that's Thurman Thomas. He's yeah. He's one of the best running backs I ever played. I played with him. You know, there's still even that at, at 50 years old, when you, when you, you look back over the things that you did in your career and the people that you meet and guys you got to play with and, um, get to meet. So I'm excited about the whole experience. It's going to be a lot of fun. The Hall of Fame is going to do a great job putting it on. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more to Dean Dalton. Uh, you know, the NFL development program is now in Canton, Ohio. They brought in offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and running backs last year where um, 
I don't know the uh, amount of players. I believe it was, say, 100 or 150 top players that got cut out of training camp. But what they did was they brought these guys into Canton, put them up. They would work them out every day. They, they'd go through drills. All the videos were uploaded. So essentially what Canton, Ohio is now is NFL Europe. There's no games, but this is the training ground. This is the minor league system, not, you know, true league system, but this is, you know, where players are going to go to develop. And um, the NFL has access to all the films and everything that they're doing. And if they need a player, somebody gets hurt, they call the Hall of Fame and that player leaves. So it's a pretty unique opportunity, um, hopefully with COVID and everything, depending on what happens this fall, hopefully they'll be bringing in quarterbacks. It uh, looks like I'll be a part of that in, in some capacity. So a lot of great things are happening at the Hall of Fame. And, you know, the, the buildings are coming up. The excellent center is being built finally. The scoreboard's being uh, expanded. So a lot of great things going on again. Jim, we look forward to hearing more about that in another podcast because that does sound absolutely fascinating. Gordon, your challenge is your location for watching the draft. I mean, it's Motherwell. That, that's better than the Hall of Fame, isn't it? It's, uh, I live in Glasgow, so it's not, it's not quite Motherwell. It's not as bad as that. I, I'm, going to be, I'm going to be really boring and really honest. At the age of 34, I just don't really have it in me to stay up to 1 a.m. to start it and 5 a.m. for it to finish. So my exact plan for the draft is to be tucked up nicely in bed. I'm going to get up at 6.30, which I always do to let the dog out of the toilet. I'm going to get to my computer. I'm going to pour myself a coffee and I'm going to have a late start on work and I'm going to start work at 9.30 and I'll watch the draft from 6.30 till 9.30. And that is my exciting way of watching the draft is still in my pyjamas with a coffee at 6.30 in the morning, not waiting up for it. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Well, that is it for episode 144 of the NFL Scotland podcast. So grateful that Jim Ballard was able to join us from Ohio, Jim. Brilliant as always to have you on and we look forward to getting you back. Gordon as well. Thank you very much. Jim, I should tell you, because we can all see each other, is wearing his NFL Scotland hoodie and looking rather resplendent flying the flag for us. Much appreciate on the merch. Hey, Love look, it. Looks, looks good on you. Cameron and I will be back next week to talk about what happened in the draft. Meantime, check out the NFL Scotland website. We've got our mock draft up there. Do join us on NFL.com. Get your mock draft in. We are on the first page of entries, but we're trying to get into the top 20. So let's get Scotland represented there. But for Jim, for Gordon, I myself, thanks for listening. Enjoy the draft and bye for now. Bye.